The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 129th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. And my highlight of the week was the Patriots assuming control last night of the number one seed in the AFC playoff race as the Broncos lost to the San Diego Chargers. I watched the game, and I'm coming at this from a selfish reason because... uh, I'm located here 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, and suddenly I'm looking at the strong possibility of the Patriots hosting yet another AFC Championship game. They've hosted the last two. I've had the good fortune to be at them both, and not to mention the ones back uh, in 2007, back in the 03, 04 time frame when they were winning Super Bowls. So, uh, all of a sudden this morning, the AFC playoff picture looks a whole lot different. I think we all just assumed that Denver was going to coast right on through and, uh, and they would be the automatic number one seed. It's just sort of felt like that all season long, almost as if it was predestined with, uh, Peyton Manning having an MVP year yet again, looking to break Tom Brady's. NFL record of 50 touchdowns in one season, but last night it all kind of came crashing down, and even though the week before they played well on Sunday, uh, we all remember what happened just a couple weeks ago up here at Gillette, so bottom line, it just changes everything. If if indeed it's going to end up being the Patriots-Broncos in the AFC title game, and certainly there's a a uh, strong contingent out there believes that will be the case and have kind of thought so all season long. Uh, again, it's a whole lot different if it's happening at Gillette. And we only need to go back just a couple of weeks uh, when the Patriots made their amazing comeback down 24 to nothing. And more importantly, it's just a confidence factor. Uh, 
Still can't get over Bill Belichick choosing to give Peyton Manning the ball at the beginning of overtime. I recognize there was a major wind factor and obviously cold factor weather that night that was a big part of his decision. But even with that, it was still a shocker. Let's not forget it was only a couple years ago that he was uh, choosing to go for it on fourth and two because he didn't want to give the ball. He didn't want to punt the ball to Peyton Manning and uh, make him drive something that sounds like 70, 80 yards for what would have been the winning score in that game. Instead, he had to drive. Uh, drive, use the word loosely, had to go 28 yards for a, a a routine score to win that game. So, again, it just all feels very, very different this morning. Uh, the Broncos feel like they're regressing a little bit. I, I know they won big on Sunday. I get that. And Peyton had that uh, line of regarding cold him playing in cold weather and his Sorry record, uh, where he basically said, you know, those who believe that can, he plays worse in cold weather, can uh, shove it where the sun don't shine. But, again, I've been witness to many a uh, cold game up here with Peyton Manning. And, uh, again, if that game is played at Gillette, it's a whole different Outlook, obviously, the Patriots play very well at home. Tom Brady has a stellar record in cold weather. And we'll see what happens. The Patriots' uh, schedule is not easy. Uh, Dolphins this Sunday, they always have trouble in Miami. Week after that, in Baltimore, that's a tough one. They also have trouble down in Baltimore as well. They finish up with the Bills, so that'll be uh, should be an easy victory. Uh, and speaking of easy victories, I mean, uh, the Broncos are now done. They do not play this Sunday. Obviously, they played last Thursday night, last night, and uh, they close with the Texans and I believe the Raiders. So you've got to assume they'll win their last two games. The question is, will the Patriots win their last three? In other words, the Patriots now control their own destiny, and I like their position. Again, I just said tough games with Miami and the Ravens, but nonetheless, I think the Patriots probably had an extra spring in their step when they woke up this morning, and suddenly they control their own destiny. They win out. They will be hosting uh, you know, the bye week. They'll be hosting that first playoff game at home, the divisional round. And then if they win that, they're hosting whoever in the AFC Championship game in the uh, friendly confines of Gillette. So we shall see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but, again, it's the, the landscape looks completely different this morning than it has looked all year long since literally the opening night of the season when Peyton Manning threw seven touchdowns against these uh, the very same Ravens that I'm talking about, and they're a different team now, obviously. Speaking of sticking with the Patriots for my low light of the week, I was there in the stadium on Sunday against the Browns when Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, had his knee blown out, uh, potentially a concussion as well. Obviously, his season's over, and... It was horrifying to witness the moment, and I mean the moment it happened. He barely had fell to the ground 
when I remarked to uh, my companion at the game that season's over and maybe career's over. And interestingly enough, uh, just the other night I came across a special on the local Red Sox channel of Tony Conigliero and how his once spectacularly promising career uh, fell apart when he obviously was hit by a pitch in 1967. He was just never the same. And just a horrible, tragic New England story. And I'm just starting to wonder a little bit if that's what we're looking at with Gronk. Is he going to be a shooting star who just, you know, comes across the Boston sports landscape uh, absolute game changer, to put it mildly. All you have to do is look at the Patriots statistics, Brady in particular, for games, uh, for stats before Gronk, and then stats with Gronk the last few games, and now we're back to uh, after Gronk. So it's, it's, I mean, this will be, I believe, the surgery on the knee now will be his eighth surgery. Uh, of which six or so have been in the last, uh, like, two years, I believe, with the forearm and everything. And and what's particularly, like, you know, somebody was talking about the ankle injury, and I had to, like, stop and think, like, that's how many injuries there have been. And then I finally was able to say, oh, yeah, the ankle injury, the one that kept him out of the uh, Super Bowl uh, against the Giants out in Indianapolis a few years ago. So... When you're reaching a point where you can't remember right off the top of your head an injury like that that was so important and maybe cost the Patriots a Super Bowl win, uh, you know you're talking about someone who is just constantly injured. And these are tough, tough injuries. Um, you know, ACL, I mean, it's new, as it was the forearm was new. The one that the one constant was his back, which... Uh, kept him from being drafted higher and allowed the Patriots to get him in the first place coming out of college. He had had back issues and had a back surgery in college, I believe. But now, you know, a lot of the other stuff is is new since he got to the Patriots, and uh, the ACL suffered Sunday is new. So just a classic situation of if it's not one thing, it's another. And lastly, my bizarre story of the week is the RG3 Mike Shanahan saga down in Washington. I got tired of this a while back, and I think a lot of you did too. And now it just seems to have even ramped up from its sorry state. I mean, it really went on from the day of the Seattle playoff game when RG3 was crumbled on that turf and... It's just been going on now for the better part of about 10 months, maybe 11. And it's just reaching ridiculous uh, levels, you know, punctuated yesterday by literally offensive coordinator for the Redskins, Kyle Shanahan, questioning his father's decision, Coach Mike Shanahan, to sit RG3 for the rest of the year. I think it's the right move. Sitting him for the rest of the year, they're obviously going nowhere. So why would you play him? You know, a bunch of opposing players have come out and said he is not right. This is not something you hear every day from the opposition. Players who, at the uh, after playing in games and they're against 
RG3 and the Redskins in their post-game interview within minutes after the game ends have been saying that in very, very recent weeks. Anyway, tired of the situation, and RG3 uh, is a guy who seems to like the spotlight. He has certainly had that, and who would have ever in a million years imagined uh, as they were getting ready to play that Seattle playoff game off that banner rookie season of RG3, that in less than a year they would become truly the most dysfunctional franchise in sports. And that's, uh, that's saying something. So, with that said, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line is our weekly call-in expert, 
A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fabulous, John. I'm in NYC, downtown Manhattan at the Marriott Marquis on the 8th floor, just overlooking Times Square. It's a beautiful sunny day, rather crisp in the 20s, but, but we can handle it. I'll bet you can handle it. I, I know exactly where you're at. I've been on the 8th floor of the Marriott Marquis many times, and... Uh, it's a great spot. Uh, I love that hotel. I've stayed there and been to many events there. And uh, good for you. You have to be excited, especially uh, after last night, the college award show down at Disney World, where A.J. McCarron walked away with the uh, Player of the Year Award, the Maxwell Award. Yeah, I was really excited for him and his family. And I know he was shot and appreciative of, of that prestigious award. And he'll look forward to probably attending the event in March at Harris in Atlantic City. So it was a great night for Alabama. Uh, you know, even though they were up for other awards, he came away with a College of the Year award. And the, the game manager, Savant, was finally recognized for his talents. And I was thrilled for that. And I'm sure you were, too. I mean, you cover Alabama, for gosh sakes. But I myself, just knowing you and how often we talk about Alabama, and we're lucky to have you on to talk about this dynastic program, and uh, he he deserves something. That's all I can say. You know, I mean, no, no matter how the Heisman turns out, you know, the Maxwell's a big one. It's not the Heisman. Nobody says it is, but it is a big one. And uh, no matter what, you know, he deserved an award of that stature, and he got it. And I was literally thrilled with uh, to see that unfold, and... It obviously is uh, good food for thought as to how the Heisman might turn out tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, John. I mean, uh, I, I think, you know, Jameis Winston is going to win the award, I, I thought, probably in a landslide. Uh, that may hold true, but I'm hoping that A.J. in second. That if, if he can't be first, that he can be second. That would be the highest finish for somebody from Alabama. So... You know, good for him and his family. They'll be up here, and, and he's never been to New York City. He is a New York Yankees fan. He, he said he'd only come up here uh, if he was invited to the Heisman ceremony, or he was coming to the NFL draft, or, or of course, obviously after he completed his edu- you know, education in Alabama, he was going to pay his own way. But really, there was two ways he was going to come up here before that that happened, and one of those wishes came true. He was invited to the Heisman ceremony, so. That, that was great. And just one other thing, John, I'd like to mention for uh, future reference, he was also named the first team All-American by the Walter Camp Football Foundation. Now, that in itself is a fabulous achievement, but down the road, if you're trying to enter the College Football Hall of Fame, you must be on one of the approved All-American teams as a first-teamer. So a lot of people were sweating that moment because here's – a young fellow who's had the most wins in college football, the starting quarterback. I think he's one behind Matt Liner, but he might not have been eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame. And there's one other great people, a great player that your fans would know about, Dwight Stevenson. He's the best center ever at Alabama, but he's not eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame because he was not on one of the approved All-American teams. So that that was a point of contention, you know, for me all through the year, hoping that he would make um, an accredited All-American team. And now he has, so that is, that will not be an issue going forward, right? Right, no, not be any question. Perfect. Now, you know, down the road, 
um, whatever happens to him professionally won't matter for that college football thing. He'll be, he'll be eligible. That's good. Well, just Dwight Stevenson, of course, went on to a banner Hall of Fame career with the Miami Dolphins as their center. He's a legend. Right. He's a Hall of Fame player in the Football Hall of Fame. Sure, Dwight is. Absolutely. Uh, well, again, it's good. I mean, I think that we had the moment, you know, the case against Jameis Winston went away last week. I think everybody just said, you know, before the voting was finalized for the Heisman, I think everybody just said, that's it. It's going to be Jameis will win a landslide. And although he did win the Walter Camp Player of the Year last award last night versus A.J. McCarron winning the yeah. Maxwell Award for Outstanding Player. <laughs> um, right. Semantics, it sounds like a little bit, but regardless, I don't think anybody's expecting a landslide now, and I don't think anybody would be utterly shocked if A.J. McCarron's name is called tomorrow night rather than Jameis Winston. Yeah, it's definitely has, has you on the edge of your seat. You can be watching with, with some apprehension, and uh, I look forward to the, to the moment. Absolutely. Now, just set the stage for me. And I've read about, you know, how the Heisman works with the media during the ceremony. We've all witnessed it on television. We have a sense of what the room looks like on television. You and the other media covering the Heisman will not be in that room. Is that correct? You'll be at the media headquarters at the Marriott Marquis. Is that accurate? That's accurate, John. It sure is. We'll, uh, you know, we'll check in. The check-in time is about 5.15. And actually, John... We're interviewing five of the six candidates today because, you know, AJ is in Baltimore receiving the Johnny Unitas Award this evening. So we will have an opportunity for about, I'm, I'm thinking about an hour or so today to interview the other candidates. And tomorrow, uh, we'll check in around 5.15 and at 6 o'clock, they'll bring the, all six candidates back to the Marriott for us to interview them for maybe about a 30 minute period. And so it's literally, you know, two hours before the, television broadcast and that and that will be held at the best buy theater across from marriott marquis and then immediately after the winner is announced there'll be a 9 30 p.m press conference they'll bring them back to the marriott marquis well that's really exciting that is going to be a fabulous evening and you know within the hour then you're going to be interviewing them you know speaking of Jameis winston i mean um as i always do i have espn on the background here and you know they're the attorney for the accuser of Jameis Winston uh, was speaking today and generally saying not real thrilled with the process of how it all went down. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's a question that you're hearing uh, an hour from now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, this is New York. This isn't yeah. <laughs> you know, somewhere out in the countryside. They this ask isn't Tallahassee or Tuscaloosa. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They won't. They won't hold back, John. They'll they'll come at them with all their their firepower, and it may, might even make a little bit uncomfortable. But it, it's a delicate situation. There's, not, there's no way around it. So I'm I'm sure he's prepared to answer those types of questions, and uh, we shall see. Yes, it's it's certainly not Tallahassee or Tuscaloosa. You and I right. uh, <laughs> have been around the Northeast media forever. New York being, you know, the 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 pinnacle, shall we say, and uh, we're very familiar with Boston and, you know, all the all the big cities up here, uh, Philly, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. again, it's not Tallahassee or Tuscaloosa and these media members up here, 
Uh, they don't have to be beholden. You know, they don't have to worry about uh, asking the wrong question in regards to getting credentials next year and things like that. They can say whatever they want, and they will. We both know that. Yeah, th- th- there's no reins on on their uh, on their neck or anything. It's, it's a full throttle, full speed ahead. Absolutely. Well, you know, just abs- you know, never a dull moment. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean. Th- I'm torn on this a little bit. I, I'm thrilled to see A.J. McCarron. I'm glad to hear he's in Baltimore today. I was glad, glad to see what I saw last night. Obviously, he's going to be there tomorrow. And, you know, if ever a college football player deserved, uh, you know, the awards tour, for lack of a better word, it's him. He just deserves it, and I'm glad he's getting it, you know. Uh, again, no matter what happens tomorrow night, he'll have last night, he'll have tonight. And... uh and, you know, good for him. And as far as Jameis Winston goes, you know, he's a freshman. Uh, you know, there's a part of me would like to see him only in that, you know, I woke up the morning of the BC Boston College Florida State game and it was a beautiful day and I had no plans. And I just said, what the heck, I'm going to go and check out Florida State and this freshman quarterback. And I did. And little did I know on that October day that, you know, he would be the Heisman front runner. They would be undefeated and in the national championship game. And, like, it's the smartest move I ever made. So there's a part of me that, you know, would like to be able to say, you know, I saw this year's Heisman Trophy winner play in person and put on quite a show, I might add. Yeah, he's a very talented player, John. There's no question. He plays with such confidence and command of the huddle. He has a presence in the pocket. He throws the ball very well. He's productive. I don't know if I've seen a redshirt freshman play to that level in a, at the quarterback position in all my years watching college football. He, he is very good and, and impressive. Yes, and looking back, I mean, it seems like a lifetime ago. But, you know, that was, it turns out, by far their toughest game of the year. And Boston College held a lead. At one point, it was 14 points, a 14-point lead over Florida State. The place was rocking. There was, you know, this was their their moment, if there was a moment, since I think they won every other game by more than 14 points. They didn't have a close game all the, all year. This was no, the closest. No. It, it, in the marquee game, John, really was at, at Clemson, and they Clemson. buried him. It was, was it 52-7, 54-7. Exactly. There was no contest, and he, he, they just demolished every opponent. Yes, I mean, again, not to overstate Boston College, and, you know, we're not talking 100,000 fans and, you know, in Death Valley here, but, you know, Boston College uh, had a quality year, quality team, good new coach, and, you know, they they had the upper hand. And, again, this was the big game of the year at BC, and, you know, if, if ever there was a moment that this freshman, Jameis Winston, was going to crumble, it was that moment was there. We all witnessed it, and... Instead of that, what happened was he threw the now famous, his play of the year, I would say, you know, the, the Hail Mary on the last play of the first half uh, that was complete, and that was it. Ball game over right then and there. Everybody knew it. Uh, yeah, so, You know, John, I think what you'll, you're seeing in this day and age with these young players, they've been on the stage so long that all the stage fright is ancient history to them. It, uh, they've been in the spotlight across the country, different venues, uh, on TV, doing interviews. It's just normal to them now. They don't think twice. 
I totally agree. That is a great point. And I think you combine that with, you know, social media and the fact that in it, that, in it, you know, they've grown up with it. It's part of their life that, you know, being, quote, in the spotlight, the center of attention, whatever you want to say, you know, just having yourself out there. It's in their blood. It may not be in our blood, but it is in their blood. For, you know, for an 18, 19, whatever he is, 20-year-old freshman, this is just normal. <laughs> the stage yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, exist. I mean, it's like these, you know, Broadway uh, stars when they're young children. That by the time they're teenagers, they're, they're pros. And, and Jameis, I believe, it said his 20th first birthday will be on the night, on the day of the championship game, January 6th. That's right. I just learned that last night. He'll be 20 that night, right? Right, right. 20, yes. Yeah, I, I think if you, if somebody an hour from now at the news conference that you will be in attendance at, at the Heisman News Conference, ask Jameis like, about, quote, stage fright, to your point, I think he would be startled and, frankly, not even understand the question. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he'll... He'll have show some poise like he's, he's done on the field and answer the question. If he doesn't feel like he wants to answer it, he'll just ask or just say, I don't care to answer it and just move on. I don't think it'll bother him one bit. Yeah, and just going back here in our last minute of this segment, you know, we talked about this the day after the uh, the opening game of his college career against Pitt. I grew up near Pittsburgh. I know what a game is like at Heinz Field and Pitt, you know, and against Pitt. And not an easy thing to do. And he just lit it up that night. I think he was whatever, you know, 25 of 27. It was spectacular. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and you and I talked about it at length. So, you know, it's not like he's grown into it. He walked in on night one, game one, and was just, you know, an absolute superstar. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, if it was a Broadway production, he would have dazzled the critics, which he did. <laughs> there you go. Well, perfectly said on that note. It's time for our break. We have a lot more to get to, specifically the Nick Saban to Texas rumors and what would happen to Mac Brown. It's hotter than hot, that topic. We'll talk about it on the, that on the other side, AP. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. On the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., there's no hotter topic in sports right now than Nick Saban. Will he or won't he go to Texas, who still has, of course, incumbent coach Mac Brown, winner of a national championship. What's your take on that situation? It is just... Uh, Hotter than hot. I think, John, many times if there's one party who's trying to uh, get a coach from a, another school, a lot of times they're talking to the media and drumming up a story that, you know, his agent is interested or Nick Saban is interested in moving. But if, but if you talk to the other side of the school where he's presently the coach, they're not hearing that from his agent or the coach themselves. So, you know, Texas, I'm sure they would want Nick Saban. Them, and there's a long list of schools that would like Nick Saban. But oh, yes. all indications that I've heard and talked to different people, they, they've said that he doesn't want to move. And, uh, you know, his wife is one of the influential people in his life. She's their co-partnership. And, if she, you know, she's happy, then he's going to be pretty happy. And, and he's stated many times, and I think he learned his lesson in Miami, not, not to come and make these statements about if, if he's not going to stand by them. He didn't feel like he was going to move because at this age, he didn't want to probably train all those people over at Texas, train the alumni, train, train the office staff, train the athletic department, uh, train the fans. And, and I don't think he's up for a big move at this point in his career. And he's established himself at Alabama with the, the statue that's right there and the north side of Bryant Denny Stadium and the championship plaza. Uh, I, I don't know, but for those people who are not familiar with Nick Saban, you know, he did, does not have a buyout clause in Alabama. He could have left at any time. Uh, Interesting. Two, two years, and he chose to stay. And, you know, he, he's been there, I think this is as long as he's been at one place. I, I think he's really happy. Uh, you know, there was some level of, uh, an, an interesting comment made by his wife in an interview with the Wall Street Journal. She said that maybe there's this, there's a sense of appreciation, maybe just waning slightly because people are getting used to winning championships. But I don't care where you are, what university, that that's a natural fact, and you don't you can't concentrate on those 
handful of people that are always wanting you to win every single year. It's impossible to do that. But Nick Saban will always have Alabama in the championship hunt. But, uh, you know, those are some of my thoughts about, about the Texas move. And, and Mac Brown, it just looks like he's on his way out. If you're going to meet with the president, that's like going to the principal's office. And uh, I just really, he probably is on his way out. And, and one other thing we wanted to bring up with you, John, was about resources. I keep hearing that phrase, fans need about, that Texas has the resources. Well, you could have said that. Same, made that same, same statement 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, years ago, 10 years ago. Texas has always had resources. Now, if you look at the record, I don't believe there is good a blue blood program, for instance, as Oklahoma, who has probably more championships and Heisman Trophy winners. So this idea that everyone else is the sister of the poor, programs like Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC, there's plenty of money at those universities and colleges. So Texas is, you know, talking big. But, you know, if Nick Saban wants to move, if he wants to leave Alabama, I'm sure he will. That, that he wants to maybe win championships at three different universities. Maybe that's the challenge. Maybe that's something else on his horizon he'd like to satisfy that's a record that'll stand for quite a while, I believe. Well, you make a good point. You know, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Texas is not even the number one budgeted uh, sports university out there. Number one, I believe, is Ohio State. Texas would be number two. Uh, the one differentiator from Texas, above all others at this point, you know, may or may not be a factor, but it's just simply is, you know, the new Longhorn Network. And I'm hearing... Right. Things like, you know, offer him uh, whatever, a percentage of ownership of the Longhorn Network. I mean, that is, you know, uh, blazing a trail at the same time. You know, what we have also, as you well know, and you just talked about uh, in the last week or two on our show, is the brand new SEC Network, which <laughs> will give, I'm sure, Alabama and Nick Saban plenty of coverage. So, you know. Oh, John, I just can't imagine Nick Saban tied to the Longhorn Network, and he's going to have to interrupt his his daily routine uh, three or four times a week. I I just don't see it. Now, for the SEC Network, they ask him to do a few things during the week. That's that's one thing, but I just can't see him just monopolizing his time with the Longhorn Network. Yeah, well, that's an you know you get it. You're there. You cover them. You have a perspective that, you know, most people don't have. So that, that to me, is a very interesting perspective that, you know, the Longhorn Network is probably not a, uh, you know, would play a big, big factor in his decision. Uh, let me ask you this. I mean, there's two things come to mind if I'm going to play devil's advocate on why he would leave. One is that, you know, as we d talked about earlier uh, in the second segment, A.J. McCarron's leaving, so I don't know their quarterback situation, but, you know, we all know great coaches uh, go hand-in-hand -hand with great quarterbacks. And uh, secondly, just the way they lost that Auburn game and how it cost them on so many different levels from, you know, the SEC championship right on through to, you know, making history, you know, is there a fallout from that, a lingering effect, if you will, be it, you know, with the fans – resentment is there a part of Saban that would say like you know if I'm ever going to leave now's the time my quarterback's gone and you know yeah. 
with with the way that <laughs> unfolded against Auburn and you know to get back to that position i.e. going for your third, third straight national championship first team in modern history to do so does that and does any of that like resonate like, like make even the slightest bit of sense to someone like you who covers the team yeah John I, I don't believe that that Saban's the type to uh, fester about that loss I mean he'll when they lost all in that time, when Cam Newton came to town, sure. he put up the signs never again. Okay, right. but it didn't stop him from going out and recruiting and try to have a great team the next season. Uh, I think, John, that he's going to be at the BCS National Championship game as a, a commentator. So, and he knows that play will be sh- shown a jillion times. So, he, he, he's pretty self-scanned if he's going to sit there and watch it. And he'll have all those Auburn people uh, around cheering uh, you know, the game day people. So I, I just don't believe that there's a fallout or he's worried about what, who will play quarterback uh, next season because he's recruited well and and he'll get somebody to play the position. And, you know, right. maybe they will start, start out as a game manager because it'll be a first-time starter. But he'll have the running backs and the offensive line and some receivers to, to make plays for that quarterback. Well, they don't have to win every game by running around and uh, like an RG3 or a Cam Newton or one of those types of quarterbacks. All right, so let me ask you this, AP, since you were at the game, literally standing on the field when that Auburn play occurred. Has there been any, like, you know, negativity, uh, you know, directed towards Saban, like, you know, of anything notable or out of the ordinary or yeah, just exactly I, I what... There were some questions, John, you know, on that fourth down play, uh, fourth and one, I think it's around, we've been like around a 30-yard field goal, and they went for it, uh, handed off to TJ Yeldon, and they didn't make it. Uh, there was some people that I spoke to that were, were not in total agreement with that call. Right. But, you know, but Stephen, when he came to the podium after the game, he said, we tried two or three field goals from that distance and we missed. And he said, I don't like to not have confidence in my players, but that was our reasoning. That was our thought process. We had tried a few and missed. So we, we were very good on short down, you know, in short down situations. We didn't make any time. And I think you were down there within the 30 a couple of times and didn't score. You know, one was blocked, I think, and then they missed the fourth down. So. Yeah, there were some people who maybe thought that there was a little, uh, you know, the stone wasn't polished enough in that area. All right. Well, good perspective, AP. Well, why don't we take our final break? Uh, and I know you're sticking around on the other side, so take a break, and we'll talk a little more college football when we get back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And before A.P. and I start talking again, uh, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is tomorrow's Army-Navy game at 3 p.m. Eastern time. As you longtime listeners will remember, I went to my first one last year in Philadelphia. It was the epic game where Trent Steelman, the longtime Army quarterback, fumbled as they were heading driving in for what appeared to be the winning score. And uh, no one will ever forget the, his emotion on the sideline after, after that fumble who watched the game. Uh, sobbing uh, profusely would be the only way to say it. And Navy, of course, recovered, won. They've won 10 in a row. So they call it America's game. Indeed it is. So tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Army-Navy, there's nothing like it. And so, AP, I was just talking about the Army-Navy game tomorrow. What are, you, what are your thoughts when you think of the Army-Navy game? Oh, yeah, all the pageantry, and, and, and I really enjoy how they, they sing each other's alma matas and uh, the song at the end of the game, and I just would love to see the pomp and circumstance, and, and I love to listen to the music of the game, and, and of course, every play, it's felt like it's the, the, the last battle. So, you know, there's tremendous effort and, you know, these outstanding characters in that game and, and athletes, you know, they're, they're the models that everybody wish they could have. Although Bobby Bowden once said, you know, if they are all Army, Navy type of players, yes, sir, no, sir, uh, you know, you can compete on the Division One level. But everyone has, who's ever been to that game, I'm, I'm sure has enjoyed the pageantry and the competition. It was a bucket list item for me and a very high item on my bucket list. I got to do it last year. I I can truly say, and I've seen some wonderful things in sports, but uh, without a doubt, uh, on the short list for me forever will be, I was in the corner of the end zone as Army was coming down the field for what would have been the winning score, 
and that place was shaking like I've never seen or heard shaking. The, of course, Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia where the Eagles play, and it was just uh, just simply something I'll never forget as long as I live. Uh, and we all know how it turned out with Steelman fumbling and his emotions afterward. And uh, unbelievable theater, that's all I can say, in every imaginable way. But I guess my take-home, what I'll always remember from that, beside that, would be I saw every uniform known to man that day. That's what I'm always going to remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you know, we're talking everybody, everything from, you know, what a cadet and, and, and the midshipman, you know, uniforms, if you will, right through, you know, camouflage. I rode, I literally rode the Philadelphia subway to the game beside like a three-star general standing right beside me. I was talking to him and he had ribbons from literally his heart to his belt. You know? Oh my <laughs> and, goodness. And you just see everything in between. You see people who literally look like they're about ready for combat. You, you know, those types of out, just every uniform from dress blues right right down to, you know, uh, to ready for a de- ready to work, you know, a mess hall detail or something and everything in between. It is spectacular. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to attend that sometime, John. I really would. I haven't had the opportunity, but I, I sure would. Uh, the last few years I've been at this Heisman event, the same day. And one of these years, I'll you know make an attempt, and if I get lucky, I'll be there. Well, one of these years when there's not an Alabama player uh, vying for the Heisman, maybe you'll make it. But that certainly hasn't been the <laughs> yeah. case lately. And... Yeah, I know it's it's something that's incredible that stretch of players they've had through the years, and I'm sure it'll oh. continue. Well, what I like to say, and I'm sure you can appreciate, I say this about the Patriots. I'm sure you would agree with this uh, about Alabama. These are the good old days, so enjoy them, treasure them. You don't know how long it will last. John, you're correct. I told somebody that hadn't been to the championship the last couple of years to consider going to Pasadena because it might not happen. You know, down the road with A.J. as a quarterback, well, sure enough, they didn't make it. So yep. I don't know when, when what it will occur again, but it's been – unbelievable these years with Nick Saban at the helm. Yeah, and, you know, my closing thought, I just want to get your opinion on it. You know, this whole, we did obviously covered the Nick Saban side of things, but one thing I don't like about this is, you know, it just feels like somehow Mac Brown is being disrespected far beyond what he deserves. He's one of the most likable coaches. He's the same age as Nick Saban and, for that matter, Pete Carroll, which is 62 years old. And, you know, Colin Cowherd on ESPN radio has talked about this and, you know, but I just, it just feels almost a little dirty to me. This has nothing to do with Alabama or Saban or anything. It's just the way it's all unfolding for Mac Brown seems unfair. I don't know how, how do you feel about that? John, I, I feel the same way. I mean, no one's happy right now at Texas with the way things have unfolded with the, the four losses and the bad game against BYU, but you know he brought him a championship, as I said, for the first time in about thirty-five years. Okay, he right, had two thousand six conference championships, so there, there's no need to uh, rain on his parade as he makes an exit. Uh, you know, you have to show some class. It's, it's a, a fragile situation, but there's no need 
to bring this out and all these comments in the newspaper day after day. I mean, he's a smart person. He'll, he'll know, know when to step aside and if he needs a little bit of a escort in the process, we'll, you know, try to handle as much diplomacy in class as you can. But, but don't denigrate his record that all the good things he's done for the University of Texas. Well, exactly. And, you know, even this year, they had that horrible rocky start, to say the least. And, you know, when they reached the point where they absolutely positively had to win, for, or he might have literally been fired that week, they did, and they then won whatever, a bunch in a row, enough to get them into what was, they were playing for Baylor last week for the Big 12 championship. Granted, they got beat pretty handily, but he got them to that point where their last game of the year mattered. So I think that, you know, again, 8-4 and four is nothing great, but I, I thought all in all, from where he was in September, it turned out pretty good, you know, until the Baylor game, of course. Right, he had him in a championship game, you know, uh, that last game, the regular season game against Baylor, playing for the championship. So even in his bad moments, he still has the University of Texas over every other school playing for the championship. Right, he could have lost the team back when they were whatever, one and three, whatever they were. Yeah. Uh, back around that uh, BYU loss, and I think, and he didn't, period. He didn't. So, you know, and I was watching him yesterday in his news conference for the Alamo Bowl, and I just thought, you know, he's just so likable, and he was so professional and engaging yesterday, again, after all that's been going on. And I was glad to see that. And I was just reminded how, what a class act he is, number one, and how, it just seems so unfair that he's being treated like this. So that's it. Yeah, John, uh, that was the maximum quick Brian will always show you a class. And he's, I mean, especially in these difficult moments where everybody's kind of lose their mind. He, he's cool and poised and, and always showing his class. So, so I salute him for, for that, those moments. I do salute him. Like I said, my, I'll close the show by saying my respect for Mac Brown, which has always been high, uh, rose a level yesterday when I watched him in that press conference. He handled it beautifully, given everything that's swirling about. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, it's, it, a lot of the Texas people, maybe they won't recognize it, but the rest of the country, I, I hopefully they'll appreciate his, his, um, his class that he showed in that press conference. Absolutely. Well, AP, thanks again, as always, for your perspective. Enjoy the Heisman weekend. It's going to be great. I, I'm, I'm pleased to know you're there, and I'm sure you will uh, You'll have a great time. Hey, John, thank you very much, and I uh, really appreciate you having me on all through the football season and, and hope to do it again, and I look forward to it next time. Terrific, AP. Well, we enjoy it. We're lucky to have your perspective. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.